0: We're going to have our Bible reading now this morning that Cat's going to bring to us. You should find um, um, a Bible at the end of your pews. If not, have a look at the pew in front, or there's a lot of spare pews over here, obviously, where you don't want to sit, where you can grab a Bible. And uh, Cat's going to come and bring it to us.
1: Reading today is taken from Luke chapter 3, verses 21 to 20, and Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 21. You'll find them in your Puba Bibles on page 1030. That's 1030. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven you are my son whom I love with you I am well pleased Jesus full of the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil he ate nothing during those days and at the end of them he was hungry the devil said to him if you are the son of God tell this stone to become bread Jesus answered it is written And had him stand on the highest point of the temple If you are the son of God He said Throw yourself down from here For it is written He will command his angels concerning you To guard you carefully They will lift you up in their hands So you will not strike your foot against a stone Jesus answered It says Do not put the Lord your God to the test When the devil had finished all this tempting He left him until an opportune time Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and the recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim to claim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendants, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing."
0: So let's pray as we turn to look at Scripture together. Open our eyes, gracious God, to give, to give us insight, to give us recognition of the work your Spirit does, and to give us recognition of where we fit into that story. For Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. Two traffic cops were bored. They were doing traffic duty on the motorway. So they decided that they would first of all stop a red car and then a color and then a red car and then a color until they got to 15 red cars and then they'd have to go yellow, green, brown, blue, pink, black. Yes, they were playing snooker. And they were told off by their superiors very severely when it got found out. I don't know about you, but I spent a few hours last weekend watching the World Snooker Championship final. The players are just extraordinary. The accuracy with which they can control that little white ball and the the colours around the place. And they have to take a red and then a different colour, and a red and a colour until they've taken all the reds off the table. There's always got to be a colour associated with a red ball before you can take another red ball. When we consider the Holy Spirit as we're doing at the moment, think of the Holy Spirit as the red ball, which is useful because in liturgical churches, red is the colour you use for the Holy Spirit. There's always something else associated with the Holy Spirit. There's always another colour associated with the Holy Spirit. And in the section of Luke we've read today, the Holy Spirit was mentioned five times in four incidents. And each of the four incidents shows us a different colour, a different thing that goes with the Holy Spirit's work in and through Jesus. The first is in chapter 3, verses 21 and 22 when Jesus is praying after he's been baptized in water. And two things are gonna happen to Jesus here. First, he's gonna have a vision, and then he's gonna hear a voice. And the vision and the voice interpret each other. Jesus continues praying in verse 21 after he's been baptized. And as he does that, Luke says that heaven was opened now this is a standard phrase in Jewish writing, in the book of Revelation, for having a vision. Heaven was opened and I saw in the book of Revelation. What's happening to Jesus is a personal vision. Jesus alone sees this. It's not something that happens in public, it's a vision. That's what the, the, the heaven-open language says and he sees a, the spirit coming on him like a dove says john says says luke why like a dove think back to genesis 8 think back to the story of noah when the flood has finished and they're sitting on the top of the mountain when the ark has landed noah sends birds out and they keep coming back with nothing And then he sends the dove out, and the dove returns with a freshly plucked olive leaf. And no one knows that that now means the flood has subsided and it's safe for them to get out of the ark. The dove is is a teller of good news, which is exactly what Jesus is being equipped by the Spirit to be. Now this isn't, of course, Jesus' first encounter with the Spirit. Because we know from chapter 1 that the Spirit was the one who um, caused Mary to conceive Jesus in her womb. The Spirit will come upon you, said the angel. This is a vision to show him what the Spirit's doing in and through his life now. And that vision is then interpreted by the voice in verse 22 You are my son, whom I love, with you I'm well pleased it's a voice from heaven so we're hearing the voice of God here and it's it's interesting because when God speaks to Jesus he quotes the bible there are three little snippets of bible in this saying in verse 22 you are my son whom I love with you I'm well pleased you are my son is psalm 2 verse 7 this is a psalm addressed to Israel's king And Israel's king, at his coronation, is called God's son. Jesus is to be all that Israel's king was meant to be. He's God's royal kingly figure who's come to lead and to rule Israel. The psalm is about God defending his people from the pagan nations. And Jesus has come to be their ultimate defender, the one who's going to defeat the biggest enemy of all, sin and evil. Echo 2, whom I love, is from the story of Abraham and Isaac in Genesis 22. Remember, God gave Abraham a son in his old age, having promised him that he'd be the father of many, many people. God fulfilled his promise by giving him this son, Isaac, And then shockingly, God says to Abraham, go and sacrifice your son. That's pretty shocking. And as God says that to him, he underlines it and says, take Abraham, your only son, whom you love. That's what's being echoed here. Just as God asks Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, so, God is saying to Jesus, You're my beloved son. And just as Isaac was to be sacrificed, so are you to be sacrificed. So are you to suffer. Now, you'll remember that in the Isaac story, God provided a lamb in place of Isaac. That wasn't going to happen to Jesus. Whom I love speaks of this sacrifice that Jesus is to make. With you, I am well pleased. Now, this one you'll recognize because it's from one of those servant songs in Isaiah that we were thinking about before Easter, Isaiah 42, verse 1. And in it, God speaks to his servant and says, you're my chosen one in whom I delight. And he goes on to say, I'll put my spirit on him and he'll bring justice to the nations the heavenly voice here is speaking to jesus and saying you are the one who will be the supreme fulfillment of that servant figure you i am delighted with you says god you're going to give costly service as my servant by the power of the spirit so the vision and the voice together say to jesus he's god's chosen ruler and king He's going to lead the people of Israel to freedom from sin and evil. He's God's beloved son who's going to minister out of confidence in his deep relationship with his father and who's ultimately going to make the supreme sacrifice of giving his life for his people. He's God's servant in whom God is delighted and through whom God is going to act to establish justice on earth by removing injustice and evil. And perhaps most of all, the Holy Spirit is going to equip Jesus for this task. The dove-like spirit will make Jesus the proclaimer of good news that will reach Israel and right through the earth. That's, that's what's going on in this remarkable little scene. So when we hear about the Spirit again in chapter 4, verse 1, it's no wonder that Luke says that Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit when he returns from this experience at the River Jordan. And he says that Jesus was led by the Spirit in the desert, in the wilderness. And what follows is that series of tests where the devil comes and offers him alternative strategies to the ones that his father's offered him. His father has called him to a path of service, of suffering, and and that's the way that power will come to him. And the devil offers him the very opposite. The devil offers him strategies of selfishness and domination and spectacularity. But Jesus is being led by the spirit in the desert. He's not facing these temptations alone. He's not having to deal with this on his own. And in each case, Jesus answers the devil's tests by quoting from scripture. Did you notice that? In verse four, he responds to the temptation to turn stones to bread by saying, man does not live on bread alone. This is Deuteronomy 8.3. And the verse goes on, that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The devil is not the one who tells you what to think. Jesus depends on God's word as his guide, not the voice of the tempter. In verse 10, Jesus um, is tempted by the devil to throw himself off the temple. And he responds in verse 12, don't put the Lord your God to the test. This is Deuteronomy 6:16. 6, Jesus knows that he doesn't need to push and to test God by spectacular means like jumping from the temple. That's the wrong way to attract attention. And Jesus is confident in the way God's given him as king and son and servant. And then in verse 8, Jesus responds to the temptation to worship the devil by saying, worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. That's Deuteronomy 6.13. Jesus knows that he as God's son can't bow to the devil because the devil is not the true ruler of all things. God and God alone is that. Now where does Jesus get all this stuff from? It's not that he's got a printed Bible and a concordance, and can look things up while he's in the desert. This is stuff that's part of him, that he's learned scripture as a boy. But Jesus is being given wisdom by the Spirit who is accompanying him in the desert. He's been given wisdom to recognize how to respond to the devil's tests. And the Spirit is directing him to particular parts of Scripture. And these passages in Deuteronomy 6 and 8 are talking incidentally about Israel wandering in the wilderness for 40 years and failing to do what God wants. And here we find Jesus wandering in the wilderness for 40 days and doing exactly what God wants. Jesus is is succeeding where Israel failed. And those passages of Scripture are speaking exactly to that point. The Spirit is opening his mind to recognize how to respond. Then in verses 14 and 15, it's no wonder that Luke then says that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit... Having lived with the Spirit, accompanying him through the wilderness, Jesus is now empowered by the Spirit for his ministry that's to come. And he's going to carry out that ministry faithfully as he draws on the Spirit's power. So what do we find him doing in verse 15? We find him teaching. We find him teaching in the synagogues and everyone praised him. The Spirit is now enabling him to teach powerfully and effectively, to speak God's Word so that people hear and are able to respond to it. So it's then no surprise that when he goes home, in his home synagogue in Nazareth where he grew up, he's invited to read the scriptures because his reputation as a teacher has gone before him and they say well let's get the hometown boy to come and come and uh, read the scriptures for us and the expectation would be that you would read the scriptures and then you would explain them a bit like a sermon so Jesus is given the scroll of the book of Isaiah remember books in those days are scrolls which are rolled up so Jesus kind of roll, unrolls the scroll and finds Isaiah 61. Yes, another song about the servant that we looked at before Easter. And he turns to Isaiah 61 and he reads, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I am the one who that's speaking about, says Jesus. Verse 21, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And as with Isaiah 42 at the baptism, this is another of those servant songs. And the keynote of the passage is that opening phrase, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Now, we should hardly be surprised by now, because we've seen the Spirit coming on Jesus in a vision at his baptism, We've seen Jesus going full of the Spirit into the desert and, being, and walking with the Spirit. We've seen Jesus return from the, the, the desert in the power of the Spirit. So it's no surprise that Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. What's the Spirit going to do through Jesus? Well, the rest of the Isaiah passage tells us, he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor to proclaim freedom for prisoners and new sight for people who are blind, to free people who are oppressed, and to proclaim the special year of Jubilee in which God's favour will be seen. Jesus is being empowered by God to bring liberation to people who are trapped by sin and evil. Exactly the picture we saw through the heavenly voice at the baptism and in Jesus' responses to the devil's temptations. So what do these stories have to say to us about the Spirit? You and I are not the Messiah, just in case you had any doubts about that. You and I are not Jesus. Some of the things the Spirit is doing in and through Jesus here are unique to him. The task he has of dying for the world, the task he has of bringing all this marvelous healing and restoration is unique to him in some ways. He is God's king who will rule the world. He is God's beloved son who will be sacrificed to save humanity from sin and evil. He is God's servant who delights his father God and who gives himself generously in service of God and humanity. These these are not things you and I are called to do and to be. But we can thank God that God equipped Jesus by the Spirit to accomplish these things. Let's go back to snooker. Watching Judd Trump play snooker last weekend was just astonishing. He's 29 years old and he's the best snooker player in the world. He can make that white ball sing and dance. He's astonishing. Now, suppose I wanted to be a snooker player of his class. What could I do? Well, I could watch him play. I could watch videos of him playing and try and copy what he does. I could get a coach who could tell me how to stand and show me how to hit the ball so I, I could control it like that. And that would get me some way but I don't think it would get me close to being ready to beat him in next year's World Championship final. But suppose I could be inhabited by John Trump. Suppose his skills were downloaded into my body. Suppose his brain was downloaded into my brain. Suppose When I stood at the table, I would see the table in the way that he saw it and be able to think four or five shots ahead. Do you see what I'm saying? Because the Holy Spirit is available to you and to me to help us to see as Jesus sees, to walk as Jesus walks, to speak as Jesus speaks. Because we want, don't we, to be agents of Jesus' liberating power in our homes, in our schools, in our work, among our families and friends. And there's absolutely no way we can copy Jesus just by looking at his example. There is absolutely no way that even with a good coach, a good vicar like Richard, or a good home group that we belong to, or a good Christian friend who can encourage and support us, even they aren't enough we need the power of God if Jesus needed the Spirit to enable him to walk with God how much more do you and I we can experience Jesus by the Spirit inhabiting us living in our lives so that we see as he sees think as he thinks act as he acts and that's what we see in the book of Acts which is Luke's volume two as he portrays the church living in the power of the spirit so let's open our hearts because we're not jesus but we want to be like jesus we we want to need the holy spirit to strengthen and equip us to live as jesus lived to live as the early christians lived we're going to have an opportunity during communion to go to the prayer area to to ask for prayer and again after the service let me encourage you that if god's speaking to you about this go and ask god say look please will you pray for the holy spirit to come and fill me so that i can walk as jesus walked talk as jesus talked act as jesus acted and think as jesus thinks Let's take a moment of quiet to pray. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for the path you walked for our sake the pain you suffered for us. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us to strengthen us, to renew us, to enable us to walk with you faithfully day by day. For your name's sake, amen.